Well, hey, as we continue our summer road trip, here is some overnight accommodation that I definitely would not want to recommend. We're standing outside Larimer County Detention Center. Not, you'll be glad to know, because of my driving habits, but because this weekend we're visiting Jerusalem and we'll be stopping by a prison there. Larimer County Detention Center has a capacity of 205 people. On average, 185 are in daily attendance here. Hey, that's a really British way of putting it. Actually, they're not in attendance. They're held here. We're going to go to Jerusalem today and stop by a prison cell. Let me ask a couple of questions. How would you feel if Jesus himself prophesied over you and told you that arrest and incarceration were definitely in your future? And then, imagine that you are now held in a prison cell with the very real possibility that tomorrow could be your last day on this earth. This could be death row for you. Would you be able to sleep? Would your heart be at peace? We'll stop by that cell and see how Peter did. And then, we're going to switch locations to a prayer meeting. And we're going to see a church that did so well as they responded to the need to pray for Peter's release. This was a wonderful church. Angelic visitations, corporate prayer held together. And yet this was a mixed church as well. A mixture of miracles and mess. So, let's head for Jerusalem. I'm Jeff, I'm the biker dude. Well, it's great to see you. How many of you recognize Larimer County Detention Center? <laughs> How many of you have been in? No, I, I, won't, I won't go there. Hey, before we get into this, uh, just to remind you that next weekend we're going to take special time as we end this summer uh, road trip series next weekend. We're going to take special time to pray for healing and other needs. We do that with our prayer team every weekend, but during the service, we're going to take time to do that. And uh, we always invite you to bring friends to Timberline, but next weekend could be a great opportunity if someone has a special need, or um, there's there's also an opportunity to present the gospel in a very concise and clear way. So, just to let you know that that is coming up. Well, this weekend, we're going to go to Jerusalem, And uh, it's a very familiar uh, cityscape, if you like, as we continue this this road trip. Here's some images of modern Jerusalem. If you were to go there today, that's the uh, Wailing Wall. And there are uh, uh, some very beautiful places to see in that great city, the Dome of the Rock and the Wailing Wall there. But when we go to Jerusalem, uh, this uh, episode shows us that 2,000 years ago there, the church was in a crisis. The church was in trouble. And so we're going to take a look at that. I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 12. It's a fairly lengthy reading, but I don't apologize for that because I want us to get the whole whole story. So Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. 
And when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. And when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. Would you agree with me? That's kind of Monty Python, isn't it? She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea, stayed there a while. He had been quarrelling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod Wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord continued to increase and spread. I have a shocking announcement to make. Brace yourselves. Uh, I hope that you will mark this significant uh, announcement because it's, uh, it's almost unbelievable. You see, in this last seven days since I've last seen you, absolutely nothing embarrassing has happened to me <laughs> at all. <laughs> some of you visitors are looking at me thinking, you're some kind of sick puppy up there, you know. Uh, Regulars here know that my life is filled with embarrassments. I was looking at that baptism. What a, what a wonderful scene there. Um, my baptism was completely embarrassing. Um, I had foolishly decided to write a song for my baptism and perform it. <laughs> Thanks for your support, people. 
I got a friend of mine to sing it with me. I'm in the key of G. He's in the key of H, and there is no H. You know, it's terrible. And then when I was actually being baptized, I kicked my legs up in the air and soaked the first three rows of people who were all desperately trying to look happy and praise God for the experience. It was embarrassing. Embarrassing stuff happens to me. How many of you, like me, you often get locked in public bathrooms? Just raise your hand if you'd like to confess. How many of you never raise your hand to awkward questions like that? And it's really embarrassing, you know, because you want to get out of there, but you don't want to, particularly if you're a guy, you don't want to shout for help because that makes you look really stupid. So you stick around for a while, feeling like you're never going to get out of that place. In this story, Peter must have felt like he was never, ever going to get out of this prison. And it was one of those days, it was one of those seasons. At the beginning of this story, Dr. Luke, who writes this narrative for us, He says there in verse 1, about this time. What time? Well, the previous chapter tells us that there had been a famine in Judea. So, the church was facing a crisis, an economic crisis. Jesus, 13 years earlier, had said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. And now, they are experiencing the reality of doing faith in the place and the season of pressure. Economic challenges, but now outright persecution. A Judean king, his name is Herod Agrippa, not a particularly nice man. I think we have an image of uh, Herod Agrippa, and uh, you can see from that image that you don't want coffee with this man. He, uh, He was flexing his political muscles, Herod Agrippa, just to say, this is the grandson of Herod the Great. Do you remember that guy? Herod the Great. He's the, the guy who launched the whole nativity uh, massacre. In fact, that's him there looking kind of mean. Now, that guy, granddad, killed daddy. He killed his own son, Aristobulus, because he thought that his son was trying to take the throne. Uh, so, uh, granddad killed daddy, and that's Herod Agrippa. Uh, in fact, this is such a mean family that the Emperor Augustus said it's better to be Herod's pig than his son. And then this guy, Herod Agrippa, he is the nephew of Herod the Tetrarch. He's the guy who had John the Baptist killed. Uh, you can read about it in Matthew 14 because, of, uh, because he liked to dance. So, you've got all of these people here. This shows us two things about this particular family. Number one, they kind of like the name Herod. Did you... Did you notice that? And secondly, they were a bunch of bloodthirsty psychopaths. An invitation to the Herodian family barbecue reunion would not be good. I don't care how good the hamburger is, honey. Don't go. And now Herod has arrested some Christians. The words there in the Greek, he's laid hands on, laid violence hands on them. James has already been executed. It's interesting how James was executed. The Bible tells us it was done with a sword. This was an execution reserved for people guilty of apostasy. Herod is trying to to pressurize and persecute the church, but shame the church as well. And now, this feast has come, so they can't kill Peter yet, but Peter is on death row, and it's looking pretty bad. And the Bible says there in verse 4, after arresting him, he put him in prison, And listen to this, 
handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. It is as if Dr. Luke is saying, dun, 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 will Peter escape Alcatraz? It's the kind of tension that that's going on here. Luke wants us to know this is a crisis. You know what I found out? I found out that sometimes those of us who call ourselves Christians, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we, we don't always do great in crises. It's not automatic. And as we look at the church in crisis here, there are some things I think that uh, can be helpful for us. So, if you're following along in the bulletin, uh, follow with me. First of all, when you face crisis, when we face crisis, remember to reflect on the lessons that you've learned already. Reflect on the lessons that you've learned, obviously, from previous crises. Look at verse 9. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Now, I love this story because Peter is asleep. Now, that freaks me out for a start because he's on death row. Would you be asleep? I'm not sure what I'd be doing. I think I'd be screaming or or praying to God that the telephone would be invented so I could call a really good attorney or, or doing something. He's asleep. And the Bible says the angel woke him up by slapping him. Struck him on the side. It says at the end of the story, the angel struck Herod and he, he was filled with worms. How many would prefer the striking that leads to the wake-up call? How many would prefer that? And uh, Peter's asleep. And it's, it's kind of funny what happens because the angel wakes him up. It's Peter's like... And the angel says, get up. And Peter's like, and it's really clear because it says he did not know that what was happening to him was real. And then the angel has to say to him, put your sandals on. And it's almost, I wish there was a Greek word for duh. (laughs) Because not only does the angel have to bust this guy out of prison, he has to give him fashion hints as well. He is telling Peter to get dressed and Peter follows him out. And it's only when Peter gets outside the prison, (laughs) Luke says, and suddenly he realised. It's like finally he got it. Now, this is interesting because Peter had experienced something like this eight years earlier. You can read about it in Acts chapter 5. He had been supernaturally released from a prison cell, but he had forgotten the lessons that he had learned, perhaps, from that experience. Do we do that? How many of you are like me? You park your car at the grocery store, you go in, and you come out with absolutely no clue as to the whereabouts of your car. Does this happen to you? I've got an app on my iPhone now. And I go to Safeway and I get out of my car and I punch my phone. And satellite maps <laughs> the location of my car. And then I come out of Safeway with the sweet corn and I, can, I, I don't have to go. Where did I leave the car? I just press my iPhone and it, it says, follow me, foolish person. I forget where I've been. I went to Safeway the other day and I did that. And it's kind of sad, really, because there's only my car and one other in the parking lot. (laughs) Do we forget where we've been? Do we forget what we've learned? Are Are we crying out to God, give me wisdom? And God says, actually, we've already, we've been through this. 
What lessons are there that we can learn and reflect on? Secondly, when you're in a crisis, experience the support of gathering. Experience the support of gathering. Look at verse 12. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. It's an interesting pattern in Peter's life. Earlier, when he got out of prison, eight years earlier, he went straight to the prayer meeting. Now he gets out of prison, goes straight to the prayer meeting. He gets out of prison, he goes to church. Is it possible that we have lost the sense of value and privilege that is ours in being in Christian fellowship? When you're in crisis, that's often when I see people dropping out of church when actually that's when we need each other more. Because this is a community and it's a prayerful community. They are earnestly praying to God. And the word there in the Greek is the same word that is used to describe Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is intense, deep crying out to God. When you're in trouble, get people to pray with you. Enjoy the privilege of fellowship. And and there's a challenge there, isn't there? Am I someone who can help carry weight Or do I just want people to carry me? That means prayer. That means in church life. It means support. It means financial giving. Do we we simply come and and take or are we those who, who can help to carry the weight of the vision? Experience the support of gathering. Thirdly, thirdly, when you're in a crisis, have a mature sense of expectation. Have a mature sense of expectation. Look at verse 15. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Now, I I love this. Because can you imagine the prayer meeting? Because they're desperate and and they're praying, oh God, we believe that you can release Peter. We, We name it, we claim it, we rebuke it, we nuke it, we blab it, we grab it, we do everything. And we say, in Jesus' name because it works better if you use that kind of voice. In Jesus' name, release Peter. What's that? Oh, Rhoda, honey, it's, someone's at the, it's probably the Avon lady. Could you go to the door, hon? And We're very busy here with our intercessory expectant prayer. So could you just go answer the door, tell them we don't need anything, you know. And <laughs> Rhoda opens the door and she's so overjoyed, it says, and she went back in without opening the door. It's like once again, da. And Nero claiming Peter's release and set him free, break the chains, loose the captive. And Rhoda says, excuse me, excuse me. Peter's outside. said, don't be stupid, honey. Must be his ghost. By the way, that was a popular theological idea that when people died, their, their ghost would hang around for a couple of days to freak people out. <laughs> and then they say, you're out of your mind. Now, whenever I preached on this before, I've done what I've just done. And that is this idea that the church just didn't expect a miracle. Here's another camera angle. Let's Let's go to camera B and see this from another point of view. Is it possible that actually the church was being mature in their praying? 
Because they were praying for the best, but preparing for the worst. Because, look, James had already been executed, so Salome, his mother, Matthew 20, you can read about her, she would have been a grieving mother in the church. There's already been an execution. Secondly, James's execution was prophesied by Jesus. Again, Matthew 20, you'll drink a cup of suffering. Thirdly, Peter's death and incarceration was also prophesied by Jesus. So it is highly possible that the church wasn't being unbelieving. The church was actually being mature in their preparation. And I think we need to learn something from this because you know what? So often, when people get really sick, well-meaning Christians surround them and say, you're going to get better, you're going to get better, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, it's going to be okay. And then it doesn't seem like healing is coming, and they say, you know what, I'm not getting any better. Don't say that, don't you let the side down, keep the faith level up. No, we're believing. A few weeks ago in England, a friend and I spent eight hours on a train going to say goodbye to an elderly Anglican vicar who is riddled with cancer and has run the race well. And we wanted to go to him and, yes, pray, but also say goodbye. And some of you are looking at me saying, don't you believe that God heals today? Yes, I do, but we don't always know the outcome and it is not faith to just pretend that we do. And here is the church, and they are praying for the best, but they're also preparing possibly for the worst. Let's have a mature sense of faith and expectation. Fourthly, fourthly, if you're in a crisis, don't forget to be practical. Don't forget to be practical. Verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. It took an angel to get Peter out of prison, but even an angel couldn't get him into the prayer meeting. And then look at this, verse 17, look at this. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Now just, come on, come with me to this scene. Peter is set free. Woo! Everybody goes nuts. They're head-butting, head-butting tambourines. They're running around. They're, they're going completely crazy. And Peter says, shh, shh. Now, why did he say, shh? It's pretty obvious. It's the middle of the night. He's on the run. A bunch of rabid, frothing-at-the-mouth Christians are not going to be helpful. So he says, shh, keep it down, will you? Someone might say, well, the Lord got you out of prison once, he can do it again. And Peter would probably say, I know, but I'd rather not just go through that experience. Could you keep it down? And then the Bible says he left for another place. Actually, we don't see much of him in the book of Acts again. He is, uh, he's keeping a low profile. Sometimes I meet Christians and they don't seem to have much common sense. I caught a cold this week. I don't know why. Well, put your coat on. I ran out of gas on the interstate. What is the Lord trying to teach me? He would say unto thee, my stupid, stupid child, fill thine tank. I met a guy once, uh, 
uh, is a logger. I'm never going to become a logger. You know why. And, <laughs> and uh, I won't tell you where he was from in case you know people in Oregon. And he, he, uh, he was a great guy and he was good at his job. And he, he said to me, he said, my next job is uh, pretty exciting. I said, oh, what's that going to be? He said, the Lord's told me I'm going to be president of the United States of America. I said, oh, really? And you know when you kind of meet people and you, you kind of tr- you're trying to go, all right, good, lovely, great. But inside you're thinking, cuckoo. <laughs> and he said, yeah, God's told me. I said, well, look, do you know anything about politics? It can be kind of helpful. And, uh, you know, have you joined a political party? Have you run for local office? You know, no, no. He said, I'm going to go straight to the White House. I meet Christians who just don't seem to have much common sense. You know, they say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, you can't. I can't paint portraits. I can't play the bassoon. I can't sing Italian opera. I can't fly without tickets. I can't give birth. I can't dance in the ballet. Some of you are grateful for that. (laughs) let's have some common sense when we're in a crisis the last thing I want to talk about the last thing, fifthly, is know where the real power is know where the real power is and it's not in the palace look at verse 23 immediately because Herod did not give praise to God an angel of the Lord struck him down he was eaten by worms and died but the word of God continued to increase and spread I'll tell you what Luke's doing here he's trying to tell us where the real authority is The Jewish historian Josephus also records this event as an act of history. Apparently, um, in Asia at this time, they had a major problem with intestinal worms that were killing lots of people. Josephus, from his camera angle, tells us that it took five days for Herod to die. Dr. Luke, a physician too, from his camera angle, he tells us that this was because an angel of the Lord struck that Uh, blasphemous king down. But then the story ends, folks, with this favorite statement of Luke's. He uses it twice elsewhere in Acts. But the word of the Lord spread. You see, the episode opens with James dead, Peter in prison, and Herod with all the power. And it ends with Herod dead, Peter free, and the word of God spreading. I want to say this without sounding like some kind of cheerleader. Everything can change. Everything can change. I want to balance that with a mature sense of reality and expectation. Uh, Right now, Kay and I are joining with 5,000 other Facebook friends around the world who are praying for little Quinn, grandson of a dear friend of ours. Today is Pray for Quinn Day. Quinn's got a very aggressive cancer, 14, 15 months old. And uh, I talked to Quinn's granddad yesterday in England. And yep, we're going to bed at night crying out to God, saying, please God, save Quinn. We're joining our voices with the voices of many others. But in all of that crying out to God in prayer, 
I thank God for the response of this family who are trying to pray and prepare, pray for the best, prepare for the worst, and balance all of that together in a way that is completely providing such beautiful loving care for that little one. And again, and I know you've got people on your hearts and minds, even as I say, oh God, rescue little Quinn. I want to sit up here this Sunday morning and say, I pray that prayer because I still believe everything can change. Everything. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning with grateful hearts for a story, a wonderful, colourful story of prayer answered, of doors opening, common sense, all mingled together with you working in the middle of all of it. I pray, Lord, as we uh, take some moments to wait before you, that we will know where the real power is. It's not in the palace. You are the mighty God. Help us, Lord, when we are in crisis to learn the lessons of previous challenges. Bring some of those to our minds right now as we wait before you. Help us to be those who carry the weight of others. Thank you that this church worked hard to pray. Give us a mature sense of expectation where where we perhaps are willing to keep on praying for the best, realizing that faith is not about denying the reality, but knowing that you are bigger than it and trusting you whatever the outcome. Help us to not forget to be practical. Give us... Give us an awareness, Lord, of common sense. Why don't you open your eyes for a moment? And uh, before we move on, we have some images of uh, some prison cells. This is the site in Jerusalem, traditionally believed to be the place where all this stuff that I've talked about today happened, Peter's, Peter's prison. And here are some images of, of barriers, of fences, of doors. And as you look at these images, as I do, maybe there's a situation in your life where it looks like the door is still reinforced, never going to give way. But as I look at those images and I whisper my prayers... Why don't you whisper yours with the knowledge that there is a God who is bigger than the bars of a cell. And the real power is not in the palace. It's with the Lord. So now, Lord, we bring our prison cell doors to you. The things that we long to see change. And we ask you in the strong name of Jesus 
that you will simply show yourself to be the God who shows up. However you do that. If we're sleeping, if we've settled into the cell, wake us that we might be a people who know what's going on because you're at work in our lives. We agree together in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. So Lord, as we have sung these simple and yet profound words reign in us, we pray now, God, as we go into this new week, whatever the landscape of our lives, we pray, God, that we will go with an incredible sense of where the power is. It's not in us as we stand alone, but it's in us through you as we walk with you into this new week. Thank you, God, that we we don't leave you in this building. Thank you that you, you go with us, you walk with us. Before I pray the final amen, why don't you take a few seconds to tell God what you'd like to tell him. Compose a sentence in your mind that is something that you would like to present to God in these moments. And Lord, thank you that we don't know how you do it, but you hear our prayer. Send us out now in the knowledge that we are heard and in the reality that we are loved. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Great to see you today. The prayer team are going to be here. If we can pray with you, we would love to. God bless you. Have a great weekend.